Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Happy Throwback Thursday, everybody. It's Thursday, Rob. It's that's at least that's true. It's I don't know how happy it is, but it's gonna be happy after this podcast. I I hope so. So folks, we are recording uh for history's stake when you when we when we listen to this many, many moons from now. Um we are recording on the Thursday after the election. As of now, there is still not a president. That has been declared by the Electoral College yet, because you know that's how it works in a democracy, an Electoral College. Um, so we are just, we are waiting, we are waiting for about five more states to come in. And it's, somebody was like, it's like waiting for like the high school cast list. Like you just keep checking every day, like by the door, like, am I in? Who am I playing? Why am I a senior and why am I playing ensemble? Yeah. Uh, you know, stuff stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's been it's been tough. How have you though been coping, Kevin David Thomas, um, well, during this time? Much like most of the pandemic, uh, having a child is like instant. You know, things to do. You know, you you are constantly uh, distracted. Um, he'll be he's 16 months old, as everybody uh, who's listening knows, and he's just uh, every day is an adventure, and it's. That that joy, that little bundle of happiness definitely keeps me, you know, sane. I'd be honest with you, you know, it's going to sound a little Pollyanna, but our chats uh, on the podcast to help me, um, my teaching, our teaching. I love uh, being in a room with students who still are caring about this business, um, even though the business is like, for all intents and purposes, dead. But they're still, I mean, it's, I mean, let's not miss word. I mean, it is. It's it's like, it's it's gone right now. And, um, and I still love being in a room. I spent the entire day yesterday. I was like there for like 13 hours with students who, you know, love it the way we do. And that was that I find that to be very comforting. What about you? How are you uh, staying sane other than probably watching the news and reading and I um, no, that's I mean that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm you know I'm a news junkie. Um, I'm also a true crime junkie. So I've been watching you know Dateline. I love it's Keith Morrison twenty four seven, which makes me so happy. Oh, Have you ever wow. watched Keith Morrison? No, I don't know what this is. I, oh, yeah. I know I've heard of Dateline because I think my mom watches it, but I don't know. Okay, so NBC has Dateline, and your mom. Oh, sure, your mom will know. Okay, so what yeah. they do is is like every episode. It's like an hour long episode, and they focus on like a a, mur- a murder, a true crime that needs to be solved, right? And usually it's been solved years and years ago. So they're just telling you the whole story of how the cops put everything together. Um, and they have different hosts and different narrators, and most of them are pretty basic. And what I mean by basic is they just name the facts. And then there's a guy named Keith Morrison. Keith um, Morrison. Who uh, is a white-haired individual. Like um, He's like white, 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 white hair. This right now. Um, and his, uh, his son-in-law is Matthew Perry from Friends. And, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Matt Morrison. <laughs> no, 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 no. And what I really like about him is... Oh, yes. He, yes, you know what I mean? He Canadian hosts, broadcaster. Yes. yes. He hosts and narrates in ways of these things which are amazing. So he'll be like... Um, and then she answered the door. <laughs> but he always, but he always goes. But why? What was behind the door? And who could be knocking at two a.m.? <laughs> like he, he, 
<laughs> he like draws you in. And if you want a really great laugh, Bill Hader from SNL, who I I, I just saw that he's like a huge fan of him or yes, something. Yes, like, yes, he he loves Keith Morrison and does a great Keith Morrison impression on <laughs> SNL. But if you want some fun folks, go to YouTube and watch where they actually introduce Bill Hader to Keith Morrison. And Bill Hader like freaks out the same way we would if we were meeting like you know Stephen Sondheim or Hal Prince. Bill Hader is just in awe. But his big uh, thing is is but why? No matter like what. It, <laughs> everyone else, no offense to the other people, they're all very lovely, but they're basic. They're like the doorbell rang, she got shot, the end, right? You know, and he's right. He's giving you a whole fucking performance here, and so like I really narrative. Like he's giving yes. you beats, he's giving you moments, he's giving you acting like like an arc to the scene. Yes, there's an arc with a little with a little wry humor underneath. I um, see. So it's. I think he's. I will a, check. I will have to check because I love true crime as well, Rob. I I do, uh, and I I will have to check it out. Yeah. Have you Have you and Sudden maybe watched and listeners maybe have you watched as well the uh, second uh, season of Unsolved Mysteries that Netflix has I, just put out? It's funny. I, it's almost like I thought you were going to talk about that next. Mm-hmm. I just had a feeling. I have not seen it. Is it good? Are you Are you pleased? Or yes. do you still watch? Do you prefer the yes. Robert Stack originals? Oh well, you know what? Here's the thing. I am a huge Robert Stack fan. I will always prefer Robert Stack. What I really like about this new series is they honor Robert Stack. He's the last image you see in the theme song. So it's like his ghost is hovering over the proceedings. (laughs) And just as a reminder, folks, we're not off topic. I love that show. Because as we all remember, Robert Stack was fired during the dress rehearsal of Lacage Foll when he was a replacement. There we go. So we're, we're, we're tying it all back together. Did, did we ever get a full story on that? Did anyone ever really tell us like the yes. full Yes, it was Barry Brown. One. Barry That's Brown. Right. Who That's was right. A former listener. And he just said that Robert Stack just was not good. Yeah. That he wasn't good. And um, Arthur Lawrence knew it. And I think Robert Stack even knew it. And Arthur Lawrence fired him in front of everyone. And Robert Stack said, okay, very calmly and like packed up and left. Um, so, and I think well, if you, if you read Arthur Lawrence's book, uh, mainly on directing, which is just like mainly shitting on Sam Mendes, which is really what the book should be called. Cause mm-hmm. if you remember, it's just like shitting on Sam Mendes the whole time and his production of gypsy. Cause nobody can direct it. Like Arthur Lawrence can direct nobody, it. Nobody. Um, I will say, I will go on record. I thought his gypsy direction was fantastic. And I thought his West side story direction was atrocious. Uh, Arthur Lawrence. We're talking yes. about. Yes, yeah, yeah. the the revival of West Side Story, which was not right. Oh, that yes, good. But luckily, Ivo von Hova came in with a video camera and was like, "I can fix this." Um, but so anyway, so but, <laughs> but 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 yeah, so he was got so Robert Stack was hired by the producer Alan Carr, um, and when everyone was like, "He's so bad, Alan," he's like, "But he can't be bad. He's from Pasadena." That's all he kept saying mm-hmm. over and over again. He's from Pasadena, and nobody nobody knew what that meant. That so it's like if you're from Pasadena, apparently you're incredibly incredibly talented. So congrats, Pasadena. Um, so yeah, so I've been watching <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. I've been watching Dateline. I've been doing everything possible to avoid watching Steve Kornacki and his large interactive map because nothing is changing. I find John King on CNN to be very boring and saying the same yes. thing over and over again. And I will I will be honest with you. I like to see whatever what everyone else is saying. So I went to Fox News. Yep. To see some of the results. And boy, was I surprised when they cl- declared Arizona for Biden. First. Um, like, <laughs> the and first then, one. And then the first thing when Trump said on his speech was, he's like, some network gave it to Biden. And I'm like, ooh, daddy's angry. I know. Daddy's yeah. angry. You've upset daddy, everybody. So you got to fix that. 
Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that's what I've been doing. I've been watching a lot of Keith Morrison, a lot of true crime, but excited to Beautiful. talk about favorite things today. Yes, yes, yes. And my favorite thing is, is a distraction. I will say my, mine is a, a nice yeah, little fluffy, fluffy little fun. Cause I, th- I should have said that I've been listening to show tunes as well. Like that just helped me take me out of the mood. You know, mine is fluffy and fun as well. So this will be good. Everybody so please heed yes. our advice today in the world of fluff. Kevin, what's fluffy for you? So mine is a cast album that is all of, oof, gosh, 33 minutes long, the way they used to make kept cast albums back in our day. Just like 12 songs, that was it. Um, this show, I, I have a feeling most of our listeners may have heard of, but have probably not listened to in, in depth. It's a British musical. Uh, a ra- and I sort of got into this, Rob, because of our chats the last couple months about, you know, the British, the books that we've been reading. And like, I, I admit that I've been very slow on my uh, knowledge of British theater, original British theater, I should say, not things that came from the United States and transferred over. Go ahead. The longest running musical in Britain is There's a Fly in Me, Nickers. It's played for 42 years. <laughs> This is a show like that. This oh, is, is a show that played in, in the 1950s. This show that I'm gonna uh, this and I would I'm gonna recommend the cast album. Obviously, you, you're not you're never gonna see a revival of this in the United States. It's never even played on Broadway. Um, but the show I'm talking about is the 1954 smash hit that ran over oh gosh 2,283 performances. That's five years, right? Huge, huge, huge. Very British musical. A fluffy show called Salad Days. Now, Salad Days, friends, is the period when you are young and inexperienced and carefree. And, you know, it's like that time in your life, usually like right after high school or college, where you can only sort of make the decisions that you're making once. Uh, And this... Um, this show is about these students that graduate from posh students who graduate from their college. Uh, and they, um, <laughs> they, someone gives them a, a piano to take care of. Um, and it's a piano that whenever you play it, everybody has to sing and dance. It makes people sing and dance. And so they are now, this young couple are now the, the guardians of this piano for a month. And then they have to, you know, take care of it. And it's, it's, that's the base. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, they, they, the lovers graduate college, they're told to look after the piano, they lose the piano and then they have to find it. And then the show's over. It's very, um, how, how do you lose a piano? Well, that's well. the piano is on, on, on rollers, so it moves, I guess, oh, in the show. I see, I see. And the orchestration originally was only with a piano, so I'm sure it was just... <laughs> I understand. Music director just going all over the stage. Continue yeah, on, I mean, thank there, you. There really is literally a song called, like, I love a piano, or uh, or, or, or about the piano. Um, this is musical, but I, I cannot emphasize enough how, how, how wonderful and escapist it is. It's silly, it's frivolous, uh, and I mean that in the best way. The music is by John uh, Julian Slade, uh, and Dorothy Reynolds wrote the, the book and music, uh, book and lyrics. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, it's one of those shows that, um, like, if we interviewed a lot of British people, um, I think this is a show that would come up much like Company comes up, or this is like the generation before Company because this is 1954. But but someone like, for instance, Cameron McIntosh was a wee little lad who went with his aunt to the theater. Of course, you go with your aunt to the theater. Um, and it left such an indelible impression on him when he was a kid that he says, you know what I want to do when I grow up. I want to become a producer. I want to be, this is the show that, and, and to this day, he, he, he recognizes, he says that it holds a very, very special place in his heart. In fact, he was one of the people who revived it uh, um, a couple of many years ago. Um, so it, 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 there's not much to say about it other than it's just light fun. If you like me and my girl, if you like, 
Irene, if you like. Uh, one of my favorites from, from um, you know, many decades ago was this sweet little gem of a show called Fine and Dandy that I just, I've always loved the score to. Um, we, we are, we are, or Where's Charlie, Frank Lester's first show. We're, we are firmly rooted in like sort of like the English, you know, sort of music hall kind of world. Um, one step past Gilbert and Sullivan, of course, but very, like just whimsical, fun tunes. I have to tell you though, that the songs are earworms. They are so contagious, so fun. Um, they, it was written to be sort of like a sing-along type show. And, and this campy sort of like playfulness is what you get. Um, and yes, it, it's, it's very, you know, classist and it's the rich people and it's all like very white and specific, um, uh, which is how most of the theater going audience in England at this time period were. Um, and uh, if you can just think of it as like a, a, a silly, whimsical thing, I think you can have a great time. It'll be um, 33 minutes of just pure entertainment and it's a show that maybe you have not listened to but is certainly worth a listen and certainly worth the toe tapping fun that it will go there are a couple albums that you're going to find if you go to all your places spotify yeah or, or apple music or wherever you may go um you can listen to the original original the 1954 recording um and, and just like anything i tell i tell my students this all the time um uh, that sometimes you have to sort of google translate the 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 six decades that have gone on since 1954 that sometimes when you listen to these old songs you're like oh my gosh this sounds so dated and it's hard to like enjoy it um so i might send listeners to the uh the 1976 uh album that, that was done uh, there's elizabeth seal who was in uh irma la Douce. she was like the famous you know lead in that uh but she's the lead in this uh, and a couple other great singers and that one you can hear the sound there's like they also add drums and i think a bass so it fills the orchestration out a little bit more because the show was never meant to be a fully orchestrated musical or there was a, a 40th anniversary album that i couldn't there's only a couple tracks on spotify that uh you could check out and that's definitely a contemporary singer singing in the style of this like me and my girl kind of situation uh but yeah for a good time Check out Salad Days. It was a huge monster hit in the 50s in London and then always is, you know, revived. It feels like perennially there um, and uh, and never really done in America. But that's OK. The songs are still fun and contagious. And uh, you kind of wonder, like, what is a show like that where they're just trying to find a piano that makes people dance and sing? I mean, it doesn't get any more escapist than that. Um, so it's fun. So check it out. I just found, the, I, I'm sorry, what you were talking, I was looking up to see where I could find it. I couldn't find it on Apple Music, but I found it on Spotify. Okay, good, so, yeah. So Spotify, friends. Go listen to it. It's fun, frivolous, short, and cute. I have not listened to this show ever, so I'm very oh. excited to jump into it. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. You took us across oh, the good. pond. You took I us did. Across I thought I had a little dabble over there a little bit. Yeah. Are, you, your, are yeah. you exploring a lot of West End musicals in this in this quarantine? A little bit, but not. No, I'm not making an over effort. I, I still have got to read this. I've still got to read the book, uh, the Broadway to London or I oh, yeah, called, West End to Broadway. Yes, I, I still it's on my my shelf. Yeah. But I think I imagine when I read that, I'm going to want to like dig in a little bit more. But um, but Amazing. this has always been I've always had this album in my collection, and I thought, let me finally listen to this. Why is everyone? Why has this been? Was this such a big hit? And I I can see why. I think one of our listeners, uh, Kevin Daly, he's a huge West Ender. Good old like Kevin. He, he yeah. knows Kev, well, he goes stuff. there every year and he's, yeah, and Kevin knows a lot. And he's actually my, you know, I've, I've said this many times on the podcast, but over the years, because I've known him for, for 10 years or so, um, he's, he's sort of been my, like, Jedi master when it comes yeah. to uh, learning material. Like, he's the one that says, look, Robert and Elizabeth, you should check out this musical. No one knows it, you know, and we, stuff like that. We should he's do a, a, favorite, a favorite thing where we have Kevin on. And he can like say these are ten West End musicals you should. Oh, I love that. You should know. So let's reach out to Kevin. We'll make a note right, to well, do that. 
Um, in the meantime, though, I'll tell you about my favorite thing because mine is very fluffy and mine is very, very escapist. Um, but it's also, I think, I'm going to go on record. I think it's a fantastic musical that did not get the credit that it deserved when it first came out for a myriad of reasons. Um, and I recently rewatched it. I didn't listen to it. I rewatched it. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what this is. So we have a fantastic listener who, thank God, has become a friend to us and to the podcast. His name is Chad Campbell. Chad doesn't live too far away from me, so every once in a while, he'll come over, and we'll do a quarantine Broadway watch of something. And so he was like, hey, you know what I haven't seen in a while? Legally Blonde. So let's watch Legally Blonde. It was the, the musical. The musical. The MTV version of Legally Blonde. Oh, Yeah. So if you remember, folks, this was in 2007. Um, not the, they had opened in April in 2007. Then in October 2007, they they filmed a live perform a couple of live performances of Legally Blonde, edited together in one show, and they screened it screened it on MTV. There was a lot of controversy because people were like, "Why? Why are you showing something that's still running? Because now once people see it, they're not going to want to come uh, and see it in person and pay the prices." And they were wrong. It actually encouraged people to come. And see this show. Did we interview Hal Luftig? I think Hal Luftig we was did. behind the, behind it. I think we did. It was a yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yes. Go back and listen to our interview with Hal Luftig, and he can tell you some more about this. So anyway, so I had seen the show actually a couple of years ago at the New York Film Academy that you had music directed, Kevin. And mm. I was, it was. I'll be honest with you, it was hard to really focus on the show that night because uh, an hour earlier they had confirmed Brett Kavanaugh. And they had sworn Brent Kavanaugh in on the Supreme Court. So everyone in that audience just, I mean, the show is lovely that we all had our minds in different places. So you really weren't able to focus on the show all that much, especially the scene when they go to like, to, I think like a frat party and uh, they're all looking around at the people drinking beer and acting crazy. And they're like, just think somebody here could be the next president or be on the Supreme Court. And that did not, that was a very visceral reaction from the audience that night. So mm-hmm. I wanted to go back and explore this show with fresh eyes. And I have to tell you, I think you can say what you want about the show. You can like it. You don't have to like it. I think the construction of the show is a masterclass in what a mu- in what musical theater construction should be. I think that the score by Lawrence O'Keefe and Nell Benjamin is fantastic. We have such great songs, as we know, as "Oh My God, You Guys," which is one of the best opening numbers of a musical. Come at me if you don't if you don't agree. We have uh, "Keep It Positive." Uh, we have um, uh, "Ireland," sung by the great <laughs> Orfe. Um, but we have a really fantastic, and I'm sure, Kevin, you working on it, you probably were able to appreciate more nuances and, and intricacies of the score that maybe we don't get to hear on the first time. But a really big shout out to Heather Hawk, who did the, um, the book, the book of the musical. It's a very fantastic book. You know, there's this thing where if you're taking a movie, uh, and it was a novel first, but we really know it as the Reese Witherspoon movie more than anything. Why are you going to take this movie and why are you going to musicalize it? What are you adding to the story that the that uh, it's not there in other source material? And Legally Blonde, I think, does add a lot. It gives it a bigger heart. It takes it really out of cartoon territory. No, Reese Witherspoon is a brilliant actress and everyone in the movie Legally Blonde is fantastic and brilliant. But the musical gives it a heart and makes you root, I think, for Elle even more than in the movie. Um, so I really, really enjoyed Legally Blonde when I watched it again. So folks, I would encourage you to go and watch the pro shot MTV with the original cast, which includes Laura Bell Bundy as Elle, uh, Orfe, Christian Borel, Michael Rupert, who we've had on as a guest who sings 
Uh, didn't Leslie Kritzer take over? Isn't this oh, Leslie? or no? Yeah, it, it well, is Leslie, isn't it? Well, I mean, when you yeah, I mean, listen to this. These are just some of the people that are in the uh, quote unquote ensemble. You like the the named people? I'm not. I shouldn't say ensemble, but other supporting characters: Kate Schindel, Nikki Snelson, Natalie Joy Johnson, Leslie Kritzer, Anna Lee Ashford, Dequina Moore, uh, Andy Carl. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. this is so these all these people all went off to do some really fantastic fantastic things afterwards um i think the set piece in act mm-hmm. two of the trial gayer european is absolutely hysterical um so i so mine this week is legally blonde and you know if you if you like this legally blonde mtv version don't worry because a couple of months later folks they did legally blonde the search for l woods, for woods where they look yes. for l woods and they they found someone to to play her. The the winner was Bailey Hanks, and Bailey got to take mm-hmm. over for Laura Bell Bundy. I appreciate Legally Blonde for a number of reasons. I appreciate it for the fact, like I said, it uh, it's a, just a brilliant. I think it's a really brilliantly constructed musical. And I know it got mixed reviews when it came out. Okay, um, and it also it got a bunch of Tony nominations. But I'm very angry. May I ex- explain to you why I'm angry? Please. It got it got nominations for score, for book. Uh, a lot of the actors, a lot of the design, but guess where it did not get a nomination? Best musical. You're it, kidding me. No, and when Chad reminded me of this, I was like, that can't be right. So I looked, I was like, let me look this up. Here were the shows that were nominated this year, that year, which was 2007. Uh, Spring Awakening, which won. Oh, yeah. uh, Curtains, Grey Gardens, mm. and Mary Poppins. Mm. I can think of one show, one show that did not get a book or score nomination. They got nominated for Best Musical, and I am sorry, A Flying Woman and a Big House does not a Best Musical make. As to those Disney producers, though. <laughs> no, no offense. I, I find Legally Blonde to be ten times more engaging than Mary Poppins. And I'm so sorry. Some of those shows that are on there, I'm like, how did you get on this list and Legally Blonde did not? Yes, I said it. One show, I will not, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to say one show had a really fantastic act two. Didn't have to see act one. <laughs> and there was another show on there. I'm not going to, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Act one was so invented. I mean, it was like, yeah. You can um, all get, you can all guess. You can all guess. Because <laughs> it can, can be any of those. Um, and listen, I like, I do like all of these shows that are on there. I really do. But I was just like, how did Legally Blonde not make this this grouping had not legally yeah, that no break. it was weird and i think that the industry i remember because i was i mean i was here in new york obviously at that time and working i i feel like the industry didn't want to like it do you you know those shows that come yes. in town and, and you get you just get the feeling that the industry is like oh um uh, no this isn't this isn't our broadway theater it's that's too entertaining you know? do, do, do you mean like uh, for example where there's only one available original score for a musical that could be nominated for a Tony award. And they say, no, we're not going to nominate that one original <laughs> score that's possible for a Tony award. Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah. Or, 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 be, or, you know. or, or could you possibly maybe talk a little bit earlier where we go? Well, just because this show is about a sponge, we won't give this person the Tony award because he plays the sponge, but let's give it to this other person. Ass off. Who I, that, who well, has- I tweeted about that yesterday because, you know, Trump's trying to claim states. And I said, well, good. Can Ethan Slater claim his Tony Award now? Because yes, Ethan, like, take your Tony Award back. It's yours, man. It's yours, dude. Like, that is your Tony Award. <laughs> I love Tony Shalhoub, but Tony, you need, to send it to, you need to send it to Ethan. 
You got Mrs. Maisel. You don't even have a full song. You got Mrs. Maisel. Why why do you got to take all the good stuff? And you're so funny on Mrs. You can have Monk. You can have Wings. You can have your Emmys. (laughs) You can even have your female version of the the odd couple where you and Louis Stadlin played Latinx characters. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, my God. Just give the Tony back. (laughs) Please, Tony. Tony, please. (laughs) Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Wait, now I'm thinking of Lucky Stiff. Oh, <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> wow, this is getting niche and I love it. I would encourage everyone, though, to go back, take a take another look at it. Um, and if like if you like it, go where 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 did you watch it? Uh, yes, it is on YouTube. It's Legally Blonde, the musical pro shot MTV. It's all on YouTube. Great. Um, as one as one long Great. movie. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing I would love to see a revival of this. I would love to see a revival where maybe Elle is not cast to look just like um Reese Witherspoon, I'd love to yeah. see more diversity in this yes. in this production. Uh, and I think that will happen. But overall, I think it's a fantastic show. I think it is one of those shows where the musical does improve on the movie, although the movie, I think, is pretty fantastic. Um, and you get to see some really fantastic performances. I, Christian Borrell, I think, is an incredible actor um, and does a really, really great good. job. Laura Bell Bundy takes what could easily be a very two-dimensional role and makes it gives it four dimensions. Love seeing Michael Rupert in anything. Andy Carl is brilliant like a or, tiny bit part and tiny so bit, funny and just runs away with it and orfe which is you know what i really like about orfe is you're watching somebody who marches to the beat of their own drummer and makes <clears throat> bi- serious and that's a positive thing makes big bold unconventional choices and in an age where everyone always tries to imitate someone else it's so nice to see somebody who is Good so point. original jennifer coolidge in the movie does an amazing job of creating the character of paulette Right. We are. If you, it's hard. <laughs> but she's it, like that. She's a funky person too. Right. So she it's is, like, it, it, she is. And so instead, sense. instead of being like, well, we'll eat, which is, they could have easily done. We'll just imitate Jennifer Coolidge. Cause that's what everyone's expecting. They were like, no, we'll, we'll come up with our own spin on it. And Jen and Orfe does an amazing, amazing job of that. So legally blonde MTV. That's my favorite thing for the week. It's great escapism. I love it. Fantastic. And, it, and then listen to the 33-minute cast album of Salad Days if you want a little more escapism <laughs> before so, or after you're legally blonde. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm so proud, Kevin, because this week we really kept it positive. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings, these are a few of my favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.